bad. What if I am put in Slytherin? Albus Severus Potter. You were named after two headmasters of Hogwarts. One of them was a Slytherin, and he was the bravest man I've ever known. But you say that I am. Then Slytherin House will have gained a wonderful young wizard. But listen, if it really means that much to you, you can choose Gryffindor. The Sorting Hat takes your choice into account. Really? Really. Welcome to Paradox, the time travel podcast. I'm Nick Hurwich. I'm Phil Hornshaw. And we're co-authors of the book, So You Created a Wormhole, The Time Traveler's Guide to Time Travel, and The Space Hero's Guide to Glory, How to Get Off Your Podunk Planet and Master the Final Frontier. That's only two books, uh, even though there's like seven titles in there. <laughs> Sorry about that. It's cheap, though. Cheaper for you. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's several. It's seven titles for the price of two. Yeah. Uh, here on the podcast, we reach our hands deep into the tangled webs of time travel movies, books, TV shows, and now stage plays, and attempt to untie, demystify, and analyze the time travel therein. So things are going to get complicated, confusing, and weird, but our hope is that by the end of each episode, you'll understand your favorite time travel stories on a deeper level than ever before. Today... Following last week's episode of Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, mostly in movie form, uh, we will be covering the brand new Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, the so-called eighth Harry Potter story, uh, which is... I'm going to interject here and say that I think it's supposed to be Cursed Child, because that sounds more British-y. Yeah. Did they (laughs) say that? I think that's like Scottish. Doesn't matter who. (laughs) <laughs> cursed it's, it the cursed much, child it sounds much more like mystical and wizard and wizard like yeah i bet there's like a video on youtube of jk rowling saying it so. <laughs> we should look that up we should at some know. other point i guess i should write that down yeah <laughs> cursed 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 or cursed will be answered yeah. in the post on uh timetravelguide.com who is Rest assured the curse ed child um, so yeah, if, uh, a standard spoiler warning on the pot paradox podcast, uh, we, in order to break down the time travel, we of course need to talk about everything that happens in the story we're discussing. So, um, if you're a Harry Potter fan, which of course you are, because you're listening to this, you should definitely read the cursed child first. <laughs> Don't so say really, it like that. God, it's hard to say <laughs> the stupid way. No, cursed, not- the cursed child. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Harry sure. Potter and the cursed child. You just. All right. I feel like cursed is harder to say because you have to like cursed stop child. The, the yeah. Cursed child. You have to stop real hard on those two sounds. It's true. It is yeah. pretty like. <laughs> <laughs> Harry Potter and the garbage disposal child. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I just dropped my wand down the garbage disposal child. Um. Yeah. Last week uh, was a lot of fun breaking down Prisoner of Azkaban, which I I say also, in addition to reading The Cursed Child, you should listen to our breakdown of Prisoner of Azkaban first, because it'll give you a good baseline of how we're thinking about how the time turner operates. And also, because from a story perspective, obviously, Prisoner of Azkaban is the third book in the Harry Potter series. And even though The Cursed Child is the eighth, it 
folds back onto the Goblet of Fire, which is the fourth book. So right. they they in a weird way they kind of follow one another. Yeah. Um, also, the rules established in Prisoner of Azkaban, though they're used in, in a largely different way, they're still the baseline for what's going on in Cursed Child. Like this is the established. Yeah. Time travel works. This is much deeper and like more involved look at it than Prisoner of Azkaban is for sure. Absolutely. But they're they're relevant to one another for sure. So Yeah, and and it they they follow in complexity as well because well, yeah. spoiler alert, because it's on this podcast, you should know that the Cursed Child is largely a time travel story. And yeah. whereas Prisoner of Azkaban was, you know, like a standard Harry Potter mystery with all sorts of magical things going on that ends up being a time travel story kind of at the tail end there. Um, they really <laughs> go balls out with the time travel and the cursed child. So. This is, this is a time travel story where they're like, we're going to go back and make some alterations to history. Yeah. And they're not, those alterations to history are not already in the timeline. Unlike prisoner of Azkaban where we're seeing like the end result. This is the nitty gritty time travel stuff. Yeah. With, Several instances of time travel, and it gets real, gets real cray. Just repeated screw ups too. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, it gets, it's fun. It's like, yeah, it's a good time. It's, it's interesting to me. The, the, uh, I think we discussed this a little bit toward the end of last week's episode, but the fan reception to, uh, Cursed Child has been very mixed thus far, at least as far as the, the quote unquote book goes. Um, right, which and, definitely think it probably plays the story a lot better when you actually see it performed. Yes, than the, the stage play. Like, absolutely, that's just one hundred percent true. Yeah, I mean, there the there are several things going on. Like, one is uh, with with all due respect to the readers, and they're entitled to their opinions. I think it's largely being read as a book and it's not a book. It's like you don't get the the nuanced internal dialogue and uh, the detailed descriptions of things happening because those are things that you don't get with a stage play. Um, and the visuals, you know, are only there if you're seeing it in person. So it's bare bones in some ways and in other ways, like dialogue, it's much less nuanced and more ham-fisted because you don't have that internal monologue and you don't you you only get what you can hear and see so the dialogue is not as uh it's just not as good as it would be in the book and i think that's just kind of standard in plays yeah i mean to some degree anyway but you know you have to leave room for acting and you have to present all the relevant information in a way that people are gonna you know catch from the back row basically in the balcony seats yeah so no interesting like looking at a map scene like in harry potter 3 you know or whatever right so yeah um but before we get into breaking down the cursed child uh we have a listener question oh man from gary elliott uh -hmm. friend of the show uh friendly canadian um (laughs) GE asks, are there any time travel tropes that haven't been covered in movies yet? It seems like there are always little or massive flaws here and there. So what would be the ultimate time travel plot? What hasn't been done yet? Uh, So 
I told Garrett, he, he sent that post, he wrote that post on our Facebook page, by the way. So if you have a question, either specific or general, you can write to us at facebook.com slash paradoxpod. Uh, I told Garrett we couldn't actually answer his question <laughs> because Phil and I are writers and we have time travel <laughs> stories in our brains. And if we tell you all the things, then we're just going to be undercutting our own theoretical future careers, right? Right. But there are some things that we can maybe highlight. Um, uh, to my mind, I think the best way to put this, and this is kind of copping out on answering the question a little bit, yeah. um, is that it's not it's not that time travel stories are flawed necessarily by their nature, although it's really hard to do well. Um, it's more like every time travel story is going to be weird on account of making it not not and completely bleakly, really. If you're going to have a story at all with time travel, you usually have to kind of fudge the way we think about causality or physics. You know, the way we understand time doesn't really work when you start rewriting time, right? So it's much more about internal consistency than it is about um, scientific consistency, if that makes sense. Like you yeah. can have you can have a messed up time travel story that's really great as long as it works for itself, right? And it's when, it's when the story starts to flub things um, in order to like shortcut the plot because of it paints itself into a corner. That's when these stories are really flawed. Yeah, and, and actually I think therein lies some potential answers. Uh, I'll give a couple of examples of things that I think could be super interesting, uh, particularly as time travel movies. One, if you've listened to our Back to the Future podcast breakdowns, those are our first three episodes, uh, one of the fun things that we uncover, spoiler alert, is that uh, <laughs> um, based on the movie's own rules, and really the way it should work in almost any time travel movie, unless you're making certain, uh, uh, I don't know, if you're making some sort of special rules, is that we see from the first time there's time travel in Back to the Future that... Um, when you are traveling forward, you blink out of existence. When, right. when Doc Brown stuffs his dog Einstein into a car, Einstein isn't there for that minute. And so then when right. Einstein comes back, a, a, no time has passed for him, but a minute has passed for Doc and Marty, right? So the implication is that when you travel forward in time, you are leaving the timeline, right? So yeah. you should be You're arriving- portions of the timeline. Yeah, so, right. if, so in Back to the Future 2, and we, we go into reasons why this can be covered, but I think it would be interesting if almost uh, um, a Christmas Carol style, if a character traveled, say, you know, 20 years into the future into a world where they have been, quote unquote, missing for the past 20 years, because mm. from the moment they left, they stopped being there. And so they that character then gets to see what the result is of them not being involved in, you know, in their family's lives and their loved ones' lives or whatever it is for right. the past 20 years. Uh, so that's one. And another one, I guess, could be derived from something we discussed in Time Cop, which is a lot of movies, almost all time travel movies, end up implying doubles or they end up in situations where the character, the main character or characters should double themselves. Yeah. But the movies just skip over that. 
like for you know at the end of time cop again spoiler alert if you haven't watched that or listened to our episode on it uh at the end when jean-claude van damme goes back to his you know now fixed life like there should be another jean-claude van damme there like when he travels from the past yeah and he goes back there but instead he just like goes on living like he has a kid that he's never met but that kid was fathered by a different version of himself. Right. So there's also an interesting time travel story to be made from a time traveler who cannot reclaim his old place because there's another him that's been living in that, that world. Right. By fixing the timeline, you fix it for somebody else. Yes. That's, this is something I was going to bring up too is, I mean, because we're all over this for Primer, right? Primer is all about this, except it glosses over the part where you're a person with no country and you have no identity to return to. Yeah. And you're just like chilling out in the timeline, no longer living your own life because you've eliminated yourself by eliminating, by fixing the timeline and eliminating the circumstances that required you to travel through time. You have fixed the life of the previous version of you. Yeah. But you don't have anywhere to go. I mean, unless unless the story accounts for some kind of overwriting. Um, but most of the time it just implies it. I mean, in Time Cop and Back to the Future, you know, these time travelers arrive back in their present and they're like, Great, everything's fixed, but they don't have any memory of it because they weren't there for it, you know? Yeah. And most of the time stories flub it. Occasionally there's, you know, some kind of like wave of whatever time fixing itself. And then you, you recover your, the memories that properly. Um, I think that's yeah. what, uh, but even then that's what happens in looper, right? Where it's like, it slowly gets replaced in your mind. Right. Basically. Yeah. But it's weird. It's all weird, but absolutely. But the, the, you know, usually the way time travel stories work, as you'll discover as you listen to the story or the story to our podcast is that the, the time traveler, him or herself is the outlier. Like they're the ones who are coming from the, the now outmoded timeline. So even if, even if that occurred for everyone else, it's like, you still came from a place that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Which you've purposely prevented from existing. Yeah. Which steps to, to stop it. Yeah. It's fun. (laughs) In a way that's kind of like the travel back, inverse of the the first one i outlined which is the travel forward problem you know so it's like right. you're travel you're either traveling forward to a place you ha- haven't existed since you left or you're uh traveling back to a time that you no longer belong because there's another you yeah. um so anyway garrett hope that answers your questions yeah if i would like to explore the double the idea of being ruined by time travel and uh you know, and in and not in a, not in a. Oh, all the things are screwed up in your your life, and it's all this, you know, bummer external stuff. But the internal struggle of never being able to go home again, basically. Yeah. <clears throat> it would suck, and then would really suck. You don't good. time travel. Is yeah, maybe, yeah. I feel like that's the lesson of basically every time we do it one really, of these shows. It really is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's bad news bears. Um, <laughs> Uh, that transitions nicely to today's breakdown of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, as we've decided to pronounce it. So, <laughs> um, all right, let's hop in. There's a lot to a lot to talk about here. So, the main characters of Cursed Child are 
Harry Potter's uh, middle child, Albus Severus Potter, which is a terrible name. Um, it's two terrible names. I'm actually. like, I'm sorry, kid. <laughs> well, you know what? Like, I think you can get away with Albus Potter or Severus, Severus. Potter, but like, you, the, it's the us us. That's that's it's like Albus Severus Potter. There's no that does not roll off the tongue. Well, I mean, if he was a Roman general, maybe. But yeah, he's not. No. He is a nerdy child at Hogwarts. Yeah, and it just does not work. Uh, so it's about Albus Severus Potter and his best friend, Draco Malfoy, Draco Malfoy's only child, Scorpius Malfoy. Uh, Which Draco, come on, man. Yeah. Like, Draco, you've got ties to the Death Eaters. Your dad was like a known traitor. Why would you name your kid Scorpius? <laughs> Because it sounds baller. I mean, it does. It really does. But these Malfoys, they need to like think about their image once in a while here. Yeah. You know, they're they're way too comfortable with just like coming off as evil and being like, well, we are though. You know, I mean, I feel bad for Draco Malfoy in the story. Like he's trying to get his shit together. Should have just named him Ricky. Dude. For real, name <laughs> one of them Ricky for once. You need to just like it's reset. Ricky Malfoy. <laughs> you need to reset the family a little bit here. You know, it's like don't don't name your kid after Hitler kind of thing. You well, know here's what I mean? what's here's what's here's what's weird is I I noticed this and this is true for both the kids. It's like both Ginny and uh, I Draco's deceased wife's name uh, escapes me. I think neither. <laughs> Clearly, neither of them had a hand in naming their any of their children. I know. Like, like, okay, I don't care, like how Slytherin you are uh, as a as a mother, you're not going to be like, oh yeah, Scorpius, totally. That's what we're naming our son. Well, Draco's name is Draco. I like, know. Uh, are you serious? Like, okay, honey, well, whatever you want. But but with snare, scary snake monster uh, Malfoy, <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> poison sharp tail. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, but with with Harry's kids, it's even more egregious because like Ginny, at least at least Ginny in the books is, uh, you know, she she is Harry's equal. Like she's hard headed and uh, smart in her own right. But the the lineup of Potter kids is James Potter. OK, named after Harry's dad, Albus Severus Potter. OK, named after, you know, two people who basically sacrifice themselves for Harry and then Lily Potter named after Harry's deceased mother. I mean, I guess you could say that like each time he was like, Oh, how about Lily for this one? And Ginny was just like, Oh, oh okay, honey. Like, how are you going to tell your husband? No, we can't name our daughter after your, your <laughs> dead mom parents. that you've never yeah. met. <laughs> right. uh, but still, you think you'd be like, maybe like, can I have a lot of brothers and sisters and parents I really love. Can we drop one of their names in here? I have maybe. the biggest family of anybody anybody knows. Yeah. And could I maybe get one of the names? I mean, we're on the third kid now. Yeah. Like, give it up already. Or, or, but I mean, like, I, I, I'm not into the name James for Harry's kids. Like, I know he's got like a weirdness with his dad, and we talked about that last time. But I mean, it just seems it just seems forced in a way. It's weird for Harry. And yeah. it's like you could have you you crammed two names on one kid and just it turned out badly. 
And then James doesn't even factor. That kid seems like he's the Bart Simpson of of the Potter family. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Somewhere else. And uh, he's a dumb you know, jock. just like spread it out a little bit. Anyway. Well, and mm-hmm. I, I'll give I'll give it the benefit of the doubt from a writing standpoint uh, because a lot of Cursed Child is about the father dynamic, father son dynamic, um, right. uh, about all the characters really, but specifically about Harry and Albus. So it's definitely a dad story. Like he, uh, everybody has a problem with their dad. Yeah, and and <laughs> you know, and I I like it. I like Albus's story because I do feel like, yeah, this is totally what it would be like to be Harry's kid. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if you, you, like, you can't live up to that. It's like, uh, it's, I don't know, you know, I, I'm trying yeah. to think of a real world equivalent, but there's, well, it's really not one. Like, especially if you're, I mean, not, not that anybody in the wizarding world is like, especially like doodly or anything, but if you were the nerdy son of the heroic dad, like that's tough. Right. Yeah. You know, it's like a different level because you don't you don't really have anything in common with him, supposedly, because Harry, I guess, is the jock in this scenario. I don't know. I'm these stereotypes. No, are he is. He up. is. No, these totally. It's like don't super it, hold up, though. In it's the like being it's like being <laughs> Jerry Rice's son and like being <laughs> being way into math and and yeah. I don't know. And being friends with. Uh, you know, the son of, I don't know, fucking uh, trying to think of someone <laughs> this, who played in no Jerry Rice. Yeah, really, it's mostly it. sports and rich. Like, that's why I go to professional athletes because yeah. it's like he's rich, he's famous, and he's like a good athlete. Um, so I guess where I was going with that with <laughs> regards to the names is that clearly, like, as much as he pretends not to be, Harry is still up his own ass. To the degree that <laughs> 20 years later, he's named his three kids after like all the dead people in his life. Yeah. It's like, I obviously that's really important to you, but it's like, dude, like it's time to move on. You right. know, like that's let true. your, let your kids be their own people, which right. is largely at the core of what, of all deal with Harry. Like, fuck off, dude. <laughs> I'm not you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah for sure. It's so, not even that like Harry in the story asks a lot of him. It's but it's all just this implication. Yeah, of, well, you know, you got to be Gryffindor. You got to be Harry Potter's son. Exactly. You know? Yeah, well, it's it's just a it's it's a presumption on Harry's part. Yeah. Um, and so you know, right off the bat, Albus, uh, unlike everyone else in his family, gets sorted into Slytherin. And yep. fans of Harry Potter will know that you know Harry was super freaked out about being sorted into Slytherin because Voldemort's a Slytherin and he speaks Parseltongue and he he kind of begged the Sorting Hat to not be a Slytherin and the Sorting Hat was like all right, um, but Albus did no such thing and got sorted into Slytherin, which is one of the reasons he and Scorpius are best pros. Yeah. Um, so we'll kind of skip all the the uh, foundational well, stuff. The entire and, the entire first quarter of the play is about interpersonal conflict and being Slytherin and stuff. We don't get to the time travel for like a million years, so we can skip all that stuff. Yeah, the, and, <laughs> and the first mention of the time turner uh, is that uh, is when Albus first gets on the Hogwarts Express, going to Hogwarts for the first time, and he meets Scorpius. Uh, Scorpius tells him this terrible story about how uh in rose 
Ron and Hermione's daughter kind of fills in the the gaps. But basically, there's this rumor that Scorpius is not actually Draco's kid, and that uh, he's actually Voldemort's kid, and that um, like Draco Draco couldn't have a kid for whatever reason. I don't know. Like Harry Expelliarmus him in the balls too many times, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so it? they like used a time turner to send Draco's wife back and. Uh, get impregnated by Voldemort. It's like <laughs> a terrible thing. It's a terrible yeah, that's super. That's awful. I didn't think it was because of any failing with Draco, though. I thought it was just because they're evil sons of bitches in the Malfoy family. Right. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true, except that he's his only son, right? Yeah. So it's like yeah. you have to think that if he, you know, it's part of the rumor, presumably, because he doesn't have any other children or, or that they were failing and so they went and did this. Um, but maybe you're right. Maybe it's just the Voldemort part. I don't know. I, hadn't, part. I definitely didn't read it as uh, as being a problem of like Malfoy's. <laughs> but that's an interesting that's an interesting caveat, though. Yeah. What would happen if you got Expelliarmus in the dick? <laughs> I don't know. That one time Snape went flying into a wall, so. Was that in the dick, right? though? I mean, I don't know. Can Does it? Well, I mean, okay, no, let's explore this for a sec. You've got Expelliarmuses that are like, hit people like fully in the entire body and send them flying. And they don't look like a punch, you know. They're not concentrated like that. It just seems like you pick them up and throw them, right? But then you, even in this story, especially in this story, you've got Expelliarmuses that are so concentrated that it's just the wand, you know. and And in fact, takes the wand, and I think this is just because... Nobody wants to be throwing wands around on on stage, and it would be difficult for a few th- reasons. But uh, right. in the story here, you've got people getting Expelliarmus in the wand, and it sucks the wand in the other person's hand. Yeah, which is that not how that works. Sucks. I made a special note of that. It's not. I mean, it's, it's not, not how it ever works anywhere else in Harry well, Potter. Well, but that's that's what I'm saying is like when you need somebody, when you need an actor to have their wand back, you don't want them to have to be like running around the stage. <laughs> you know, like true. trying to figure out where, hey, you where it the, wound up. Hey, you in the third row, could I have my, my wand back? Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so, so all right. So there, that's but, the first mention so, of... Yeah, so the the point of all that, sorry, the point of all that is you could definitely, I think, expire somebody in the genitals <laughs> um, in two directions. You could go like a punch or like a like a yank apparently <laughs> yeah well it's like it's designed to knock the wand out of someone's hand with force right and it's like you know what is your penis doing but holding on desperately to your body so <laughs> i feel like a miss a misaimed or properly aimed expelliarmus could do some serious damage <laughs> madam pomfrey uh, would have her work cut out for her yeah i don't know all right sorry sorry Can listeners <laughs> Clearly, none of this has ever been thought of by the people. No, def- definitely not. We're <laughs> fanficking it up right now. Uh, I apologies. My apologies, guys. If you're still listening, this is a time travel <laughs> podcast. Um, so the next mention of a time turner, uh, blah, 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 is that is related to the story that Scorpius tells Albus and Draco Go, who works at the Ministry of Magic, heads off to see Harry, who is the uh, the head of magical law enforcement. Yeah. Um, and he Orbs, asks, apparently, 
Yes, uh, he is the head of the Yours, and he asked Harry. Didn't we discuss this? I'm sorry, one second. No, no, it's okay. I, didn't we? Didn't we discuss how they had seemingly no police force and no army of any sort, and yet suddenly there Harry is lead detective. <laughs> like, well, they do he, have he's Commissioner Gordon. Like, what's this about? No, they've always they've always existed. They exist I mean, suppose they've just you know turned a blind eye slash never really dealt with. The entire Voldemort problem. Again, this is just like this. It's weird how the, the wizarding world allowed that stuff to happen the way it did. Anyway, yeah. well, it's just weird. The, in the books, there's a denial from the ministry. Like they don't want to accept that, that even the possibility that Voldemort is coming back. They, but even in so the they, first case, they had, I mean, Dumbledore and Palace had to form their own militia to deal with it. Basically, a secret society militia. Right. Yeah, and I think that's like related and and in addition to. But yeah, there's definitely not like a militia. But the the ors well, I mean, always exist. They were sort of a militia, is what I mean. They weren't like they weren't like a militia, but they they were like somebody's got to do something about this, and clearly no one is going to. I don't know. It's just weird. Anyway, well, and you know, I think part (laughs) of that is that there are like a thousand wizards, and six hundred of them are Weasleys, so. It's like they there really is not that many people in the yeah. Wizard. There's not enough, um, <laughs> not enough. I don't know people. Yeah. Anyway, so, I, that's enough asides. I also, <laughs> also, yeah, we're doing a serious breakdown of all things Harry <laughs> Potter. Um, so Draco asked Harry to release a statement, like an official ministry statement, uh, saying that all time Turners were destroyed in the Battle of the Department of Ministries. Which I don't even know that. I guess they call it that now. But he's referring specifically to when Harry and friends just run apeshit through the Department of Mysteries in Order of the Phoenix and, like, destroy everything, um, which well, I guess being, is a, yeah. bottle, a battle. Yeah. Well, they're being chased by they're being chased by the Death Eaters. And then uh, the remnants of the Order of the Phoenix uh, or no, the Order of. Uh, no. Yeah. The Order yeah, of yeah. The Phoenix, right. Yeah. Those guys showed up to save their asses. And then Sirius Black got murdered. Remember? Right. So it was, yes, it, yes, it turned yes. into oh, a yeah, battle. Oh, yeah, it did turn yeah. into a battle. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so Draco's thinking is that if there's an official ministry uh, statement, then it would put to rest the the terrible rumor about Scorpius and him being Voldemort's son, et cetera, et cetera. And Harry won't do it um, because he denies that there are any time turners. He doesn't think it'll make a difference and secretly because there's an open case on one. And so he's like, can't do that. He also is like, if we, if we mention the rumor, then it gives the rumor credence or something. I don't know. Harry needs to be, Harry needs to be more understanding on this point. I think. Yeah. He's kind of, he's kind of a cunt throughout. Um, and not like, and it's, it doesn't even seem like he means to be, it's not like he's like, "Ah, I'm going to take it out on Malfoy now. Like he just doesn't. He's just got a bad. He's just got bad reasoning. Yeah, it doesn't really make sense. Yeah, and he and there is some interpersonal stuff with obviously with Draco and I. He doesn't like the idea of Albus and Scorpius being friends, etc. I don't think that's uh, you know a reason A or even a reason B why he won't do this, but it's certainly playing a, a factor. Right. So that open case turns out to be uh, well we don't see it but harry does soon thereafter recover this uh rumored time turner from theodore not um who apparently had a powerful one 
So Theodore Knott was is like one of those seldom mentioned Harry Potter book characters. Um, he's a Slytherin from Harry and Draco's own year. And so I don't think he gets mentioned for the first time until book five, until uh, Order of the Phoenix. And he's just kind of like a background character. But what's important to know about him, other than the fact that he was a classmate, is that he his parents were Death Eaters. He's pure blood, like basically the descendant of dickbags, similarly to uh, Draco. Um, <laughs> so he gets it. He gets the time turner and she's showing it to Hermione, who is the minister of magic. It's worth noting. Uh, and she makes note that it's entirely different from the time turner I had. Um, so much yeah. more powerful. Yeah. Much That's more powerful. Uh, I, I just imagine that it has more dials and it's bigger. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'm, cur- I'm curious what it looks just like in the play. Imagine Flavor Flav's clock. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> is that a time turn? No, it is not a time turn. I'm a wizard rapper. Um, well, I mean, what, this part gets kind of glossed over, but here's kind of the first thing where it's like, okay, so this pure blood descendant of Death Eaters had a collection of all kinds of crap, apparently, but chief among them this time turner, and he never used it? Or oh, he, like, what's that? He made it. Yeah, he made it, but he made it and never used it. It's like, you would think that if he made it, he would have he would have had aim to use it. And I guess, based on what we'll see later, if he did use it, we uh, nobody in the timeline of the story would... No, because the changes would manifest instantly. But it's like, okay, well, what was he making it for? And if he did make changes, what were they, etc. Um, but that part it never gets never gets explored or asked, right? Yeah. Um, Wait, I think they do. I mean, it's revealed later. We can just skip ahead. But the reason that, the reason it was made was because Draco commissioned it, right? Or the Malfoy? No, I'm sorry, not Draco, but uh, Lucius Malfoy commissioned it. Before he died, I don't know. Well, that's well. It was a we'll prototype. Get... The one they find at at Knotts was a prototype. Gotcha. Okay. Even still, it seems like it seems like he would have used it, but maybe not. Maybe yeah. he didn't no, even should... realize what he had. Um, <laughs> uh, it's neither here nor there because the story doesn't bring it up. Um, but it's just like a little weird aside, or it's like when you stumble across a time machine, your first question should be like, "Oh shit." <laughs> <laughs> how many how many times has this been used and yeah. to to what end like what's <laughs> what's fucked up already um so uh soon thereafter harry is met at his home by amos diggory who is the now elderly father of the deceased cedric cedric diggory who famously dies uh at the end of harry potter and the goblet of fire at the end of the triwizard tournament yep um so amos is adamant Harry uh that he he's heard these rumors that there are time turners that exist and specifically that Theodore not had one and uh if the ministry has one um they and Harry specifically owe it to Amos to give it to Amos so that he can go back and save Cedric's life uh, and he guilt trips the hell out of Harry mm-hmm. somewhat rightfully so um but Harry denies its existence uh, which, you know, I, you can't really fault him for that. You can't be like, oh, yeah, totally, we have one, but fuck <laughs> you. Or, yeah, we have one and go wild. Uh, any number of things could go poorly it's, doing that. 
easily the most dangerous magic that exists. Yeah, it's fucking so. bullshit, guys. Why did you make <laughs> this? Um, and uh, so Albus overtur- overturns this, over time turns this, overhears this, uh, and he is, uh, like, you're already able to connect the dots from a character perspective because Amos just has this undying, passionate love for his son, and all Albus can hear is his own father with whom he has issues like denying this passionate father his dead son and uh, albus is kind of projecting a bit like you know harry just won't let him do it because harry doesn't care about his own son and and like he's he he empathizes with amos and not his own dad right um which factors in uh and then albus is met by delphi uh, who introduces herself as Amos's niece and handler. She kind of like helps him get by. She's um, his nurse because he's yeah. old. Yeah, but her, mm-hmm. she's a she's a diggery. Um, oh, back on uh, back on the Hogwarts Express, Rose, who is Ron and Hermione's daughter, tells Albus about the Time Turner raid. Like she's overheard from uh, her parents about you know, what Harry did and the fact that they recovered it. And Albus is super pissed because he just overheard his dad being like, nope, no such thing doesn't exist. <laughs> and Sorry, sorry, you can't help your dead son, no. Yeah, and <laughs> he come to find out that it is true and he has one and it exists. And um, so in partial defiance of his father and, well, mostly in defiance of his father. He well, that up. and I think like, the opportunity to outdo Harry Potter, which is, you know, really plays into Albus's whole inferiority complex with his dad. He's like, my dad screwed this up, but I'm going to fix it. Yes, absolutely. Right? So, like, I'll show Harry Potter what for. I'll save this uh, kid's life. I'm the could. one who cares more about people than Harry Potter did. Right. Et cetera. Yeah. So they sneak off of the Hogwarts Express and, you know, kind of go missing. Uh, they steal away to St. Oswald's home for old witches and wizards to visit Amos. And they introduce themselves and tell him the truth about the time Turner. And Amos is like, fuck you kids. He's very skeptical of them. (laughs) Why should I believe you son of Harry Potter who got my son murdered and you son of Draco who is probably Voldemort's kid. Um, but Delphi, Delphi steps in and helps to convince Amos to let the kids help. Um, and that, you know, it's going to be like a huge sacrifice from them, right? Like they're risking their own lives to save Cedric. And what other choice does Amos have? Like, yeah, that whole thing is weird. Like what is, what what do you have to lose guy? Why are you being kind of a dick about it? Yeah. I don't know. Old man yells at cloud moment. Yeah. I I think partially he just like doesn't believe them. Like, yeah. Why would you do this? He just, he thinks they're fucking with him a bit. Um, But it does kind of play as he's denying them permission. Right. It's weird. weird. Yeah. Um, So uh, the three of them, Alvis, Scorpius, and Delphi, use Polyjuice Potion, which is a a well-known trope in Harry Potter stories to pose as Harry, Ron, and Hermione and break into the Ministry of Magic. And there's some... fun and games and mistaken yeah. identity and, and hijinks. Yeah. Hijinks ensue. But the end result is they get the time turner from Hermione's office. 
Huzzah. Okay. So they have this. We're there finally. (laughs) Yeah. Now they have the fucking time turner. Um, All the while, is this worth talking about? I I know you had some thoughts about it. Um, I don't know. All all the while, Harry is having dreams of his past and is like waking up in a cold sweat as he is wont to do. Oh, yeah. Here's Voldemort's voice and like his scar is hurting for the first time since Voldemort was killed for good so it you know it purports the return of Voldemort um and yeah this all seemed like dead air that we didn't really need you know like they they want to throw in like prophecy stuff and and Harry Potter being tied to Voldemort even though that doesn't again like magic is weird obviously but if we're going to try to follow the logic of it it doesn't make a ton of sense because nothing has happened yet yeah. And we're talking about time travel here. So just, I just thought, but I mean, from a storytelling standpoint, I just felt like it was taking up a lot of time, you know? Yeah. Well, what does factor in, which we can talk about a little later, is that eventually it culminates in a prophecy. Right? Yeah. Which, yeah. Um, which it is relevant insofar as it relates to, well, not only are prophecies important in Harry Potter stories, but it's relevant to the ideas of time travel and like being able right. to change the past, change prophecies, etc. So we'll, we'll circle back to that. Yeah. But, but I mean, my, I think my overall point was that like not a lot of time is spent actually time traveling or dealing with the consequences of the time travel per se, like in a personal way there, a lot of it is a little bit um, glossed over. And I felt like when I was mentioning this to you and this is, all it was for was that it just seemed like there was a lot of time spent on these like little minor illusions that really didn't need to happen. (laughs) Sure. When you could have been doing like spending more time in the past, like making Albus and Harry come to understand each other better and, you know, having Albus go through more trying stuff that would change his character yeah. Anyway, that's all. Yeah. No. I mean, what I do like about it is I like the dis- uh, like the discretionary scenes between Harry and Ginny. Um, yeah. You know, book readers will know that. Like Ginny is a becomes a prominent force in the books, and as I mentioned, is a you know feels deserving of Harry. Whereas in the movies, she's just like completely vanilla and a non-factor. Um, so it was nice to have the return of Ginny as we know and love her and just like calling Harry on his bullshit a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Useful. Yeah. <laughs> so um, anyway, Albus and Scorpius's plan is to go and stop Cedric from winning the Triwizard tournament along with Harry. Their logic is that if he doesn't win, he won't touch the Triwizard cup. He won't be poor keyed away and he won't be murdered by Voldemort or, um, Peter Pettigrew, I think does the actual murder. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Okay. That's sound. Um, what raises some questions here. So like their first mission is they're going to go back to the first, uh, the first challenge. The first, yeah. To challenge. Is that what they yeah, call yeah. it? Yeah. Um, which is they're trying to steal the egg away from the dragon. Right. Right. So in the original, what Cedric does is he, uh, he morphs a rock into a dog and like distracts the dragon and sneaks in there. So, um, uh, truly Harry Potter's kid, 
Elvis's plan is to expel Yarmus Cedric's <laughs> wand away, <laughs> which is like, wouldn't that be obvious? Wouldn't, <laughs> like, wouldn't someone be like, hey, you just like, you can't do that. It'd be like, it'd be like someone like, I don't know, like throwing, throwing a paper airplane at the basketball during an NBA game. Yeah, or or just like you're I want to change the outcome of this of the World Series. I'm gonna throw snakes on the field. <laughs> yeah, you're like, hey sir, 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 we're gonna have to ask you to not throw snakes on the field during the World Series. <laughs> I ran out and took a guy's bat away and so he can't <laughs> swing the bat. <laughs> nah, time travel. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, it's no, and it's sort of hilarious how in the wizarding world they're like they they have the announcer guy who is supposed to be the stand-in for actually watching a dragon fight Cedric Diggory on stage. And he's just like, oh no, his wand seems to be gone. Seems like there might be some malicious magic going on. What a bummer. Like everybody's yeah. just like, whoop, shrug. This is this seems fully okay for the outcome of our of our contest. It's you su- know, there are no rules no, it's in the presenting world. What is the deal? Well, and they're and like there are, you know, and that's what's weird is that like there their plan, their plan, their overall plan is not bad given their goal. But right. like this specifically, we're just going to stand over here and expel your from the we're crowd. We're pretend to be. Yeah. Yep. Um, <laughs> and that's the moment, by the way, where when Albus Expelliarmus is Cedric, the wand flies from Cedric into uh, Albus's hand, which yeah. is just like to make well, it all the more obvious that he's the guilty party. Delphi does it later too, but yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, this was a key moment because Hermione happens to be standing nearby and watches it happen. Right. And this is like has all kinds of ripple effects on the timeline when they return to it. Yeah. So. Well, real quick, I wanted to talk since this is the first time they're actually time traveling. I wanted to talk about how does the time travel work. Oh yeah, or, the rules. Or that not not even the time travel. I should say I'm asking how does the time turner work. Because oh, if you no listen idea. to last week's episode, I quipped, um, it's not a, no, the time turner is not a time machine. It's a plot device, <laughs> which there it is. And here it functions much more as a time machine. But Delphi, like, seems to explain it, like, how, how to work it off screen. We don't see it. Um, <laughs> but it just seems weird, first of all, that she could even do that. Why would she know? And, you know, like the only time we've seen any sort of instruction or execution on how the time turner works is in Prisoner of Azkaban, where Dumbledore is like, oh, I think three turns ought to do it. Like mm-hmm. he's giving Hermione instructions on how to go back the right amount of time. It's like if you're going back, uh, you know, over 20 years to a specific moment in time with a prototype time turner that you've never seen before like how are you threading that needle um yeah we don't know it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't it's not important and yet it is sort of hilarious. yeah it's it's <laughs> extremely important but also it doesn't factor no um the one thing we do know which is important and does factor is that you travel back to the same physical space right so right. it's like they yeah have yeah to- they have to go to the place they want to be when they arrive. Yes. Right? Like and on the Hogwarts grounds specifically. Yeah, they go into the Forbidden Forest. So yeah. So that they will 
punk up there. You also arrive, unlike Terminator, uh, in your clothes and whatever is on your person. So <laughs> yeah. before they go back, they travel or they change into uh, Durmstrang robes, um, right. which is one of the other competing schools in the Triwizard Tournament, so that they, you know, they won't arouse suspicion from Hogwarts students, basically, because they'll right. just look like foreign kids. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So basically, once they've they think they've fixed the Cedric situation, they head back to their own time. And well, the, now we've got a whole... Even more so, and the, the time turner pulls them. Yeah, right? they only get five minutes in the past. Yeah, which they didn't realize out. at the time. Right. They like have just enough time to do it, and then it like yanks them through time and seems to break Albus's arm. Oh, and yeah, like, I forgot that it's like, like violent for Yeah, like bitch slaps him. <laughs> um, so I guess like just the strain of going back that far can cause physical in- injury. Um, only to Albus and later Ron though. Yeah. It doesn't really matter other times. I don't know why it's weird. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they go back and, uh, so this is where things start to get super time traveling, right? Yeah. So basically it's, it's the butterfly effect. There's a bunch of unforeseen consequences. Um, so by being dressed in Durmstrang robes when they zapped Cedric, um, uh, I'm sorry, Albus and, Albus and uh, Scorpius have altered Hermione's uh, course of events. So right. she doesn't go to the dance with, um, what's his Crum. name? Victor Crumb. He's from Durmstrang. Which is a key moment for getting Ron to, like, get his shit together. Right. He gets, he gets jealous and, like, yeah. and steps in, right? Without that happening, he just never does that. Yeah. And so they never get together. Rose ceases to exist in this timeline. Yeah, Ron's married to Padma, who was his who was a, his horrible date in the actual in the actual events in Goblet of Fire. Right. Um which fuel partially fuels Ron's jealousy. He just like would rather be with Hermione. Um right. but yeah, they 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 cancel out Rose's existence. She's just not there anymore. She's just gone. And what's funny about this is They've created – is it one or two new kids from the Ron Padma? Yeah, two, two. Which they're, they then eliminate those kids by going and changing other things. So like to repair the timeline means to knock these two kids out of reality, which is kind of funny. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's true. Like, yeah, but they're – The consequences they're, compound. Yeah, hard. they're illegitimate – uh, alternate timeline kids though phil they don't matter they're abominations yeah <laughs> they deserve to be burned with fire uh yeah just the the swift justice of the time travel bitch slap um so also changed is uh albus is in gryffindor not in mm-hmm. slytherin apparently in this timeline uh he convinced the sorting hat to shift him into gryffindor but here we have uh our first weird conflict, uh, which is not just an alteration, but there's another Albus. Only there should have been. Only right. there's not. Yeah. yeah. So this is what we're yeah, talking about. He's got a whole other life. Yeah. This is what so. we're talking about earlier is that, you know, so they changed Ron and Hermione's relationship in, in children, but somehow Harry and Ginny stayed the same, still had three kids, whatever. But it's like, in the time that they, that Scorpius and Albus traveled from the past 
back to the present, you know, Harry and Ginny got together and had three kids. And so, and Albus went to Hogwarts and convinced uh, the sorting had to put him in Gryffindor. So like there's an, there should be another Albus, but there's not. Right. Um, I think this is a Marty B situation. It absolutely is. Yeah. And this is what, because things have not changed enough in this timeline to prevent time travel from happening. So Albus and Scorpius are still, in in timeline B, I guess we'll say in this new timeline, um, altered by the uh, the Cedric caper, they they're still time traveling. So you've got another Cedric or another Albus and another Scorpius time traveling back to try and fix Cedric in a whole other timeline. So yeah, they're elsewhere. Those doubles are there are doubles. They are gone though, I yes. think because they're they've jumped out of the timeline conveniently. Very. Uh, very cordial of them to get the hell out of the way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so they're off on their own adventure and probably in a world where they've accidentally screwed up and brought Voldemort back, I'm going to say. But they're somewhere else, luckily. Yeah. Well, and what's also interesting is, and again, this is another issue that time travel stories like this sometimes run into, is the way in which something's changed and something stays the same. Mm-hmm. So like... Yeah. Albus comes back in uh, the hospital wing at Hogwarts and Harry is there watching over him. And there's this protracted conversation that Harry has with a portrait of Dumbledore. Um, But uh, basically when Albus wakes up, Harry forbids him from hanging out with Scorpius anymore. So evidently in this timeline, they're still friends, um, like independent of their own past, which is kind of weird, especially because Albus got sorted into Gryffindor. Yeah, they're not around each other all the time. Anyway. Yeah, but they, they apparently they're still friends. I, you know, and like you said, apparently they were still missing, which implies right. that they were also time traveling. They're not there, yeah. which implies they're also time traveling. But mm-hmm. it's weird that it, it's like you could argue that. There, that they could have disallowed for their disappearance and returned yeah. to a timeline where like no one's looking for them because they definitely could have. All well, their parents don't remember them disappearing because that timeline doesn't exist anymore. What's also goofy about this is that it feels like the story wants to continue the through line of Harry and Albus's relationship through all the alterations in time travel, um, and so it flubs it basically. Like Harry, it sounds like is on this path to disallowing the two of them from hanging out before any time travel happens. And independent of any changes to the timeline, like even though Ron and Hermione aren't together anymore and their kid doesn't exist and this would change radically, you would think, Harry's life, at least his, his family life, if nothing else, which of course everything else. But the point is, Everything still goes the same way, and Harry still comes to the same conclusions, basically, yeah. of like breaking up that friendship. He's on that path before the time travel. He's still on it afterward. Harry's the only person who doesn't change in this scenario, basically. Yeah, and this is where it's you know it's hard from a writing perspective handling this type of time travel story because it's like you spend all this time establishing characters and conflicts, and if you throw out everything then it's like you have nothing to go on. Like if they right. just return to a world where no one gives a shit, um, or even if they return to a world where there's other thems and they're different, it's like you, I guess you can still get to a place where they have to go back and fix it, but you lose all of that conflict with Albus's dad and yeah. um, and all, all the other things that they've been establishing. 
Right. Uh, well, and, and rightly you should, but it's a bummer. Yeah. yeah. But it should it should be a completely different world, basically, in a big way. And just the story doesn't the story doesn't feel like doing that is basically what it works out to, which I, I totally get. But it doesn't really jive with the idea of all these unforeseen consequences doesn't really play if you're going to make some of the consequences come up. The ones that don't really matter, basically, yeah. you know, in a big way. So, mm. yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Albus reluctantly listens to his dad and they spend some time moping about separately until finally they, uh, have a big blowout fight and, um, and reconcile and, uh, Scorpius wants to turn the time turner in. He's like, this is too big for us. We fucking... We're screwing it we, up. We disallowed for Rose. Isn't that fucked up? And What's I'll, funny is that, like, they don't immediately go deal with it. Oh, no. They screw around in this timeline for forever. They're yeah. in there for, like, a month at least. Yeah. Just like, eh, whatever. You know? <laughs> it seems like... Anyway, maybe it's only a few days. Yeah. But, it it's, but it's not immediate. It definitely comes off as, like, whelp. Meh, meh, you know, right. sucks that sucks to be Rose. <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird. It, well, I guess it's not weird. It tells you something about Albus that he, uh, even though he fights Harry on it, he does obey him for a time. Yeah. Like he he's worried about what will happen to him. Um, it's worth noting also that part of the reason Harry is like no more hanging out with Scorpius is not only that they went missing but because of this prophecy that he's hearing and he's starting to believe the rumors that Scorpius might be Voldemort's son and his scar is hurting. And it's like the only, the only thing that adds up for him is that like Scorpius is bad news in a, in a real way. Um, so, you know, uh, Scorpius wants to turn the time turner in. Albus is like, no, we can fix this. Right. He has his father's hubris. So they, decide to go back to the second task of the Triwizard Tournament, and their plan now is to humiliate Cedric. They yeah. say something about, like, losers learn to lose, which they know about because they themselves <laughs> are, they losers. are losers. Yeah. yeah, what's funny about this is that, like, so they screwed up Cedric's first challenge, but he just, like, came back more determined to win, apparently. Right. So, yeah, they didn't change that, that. They didn't change that part. Cedric is still right. dead in this timeline. That's important to note. Yeah. Um, but so they're just going to like, they're going to make it so bad to be Cedric that he can't possibly go on pretty much. And again, this is weird because you're in the magic world and you think that stuff like this happens all the time. And why would you be all that embarrassed by it? But their, their plan is to embarrass him with magic that's out of his control somehow. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't really, yeah. this didn't really play for me. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird like conclusion that they're drawing. Like that they're it would be one thing if they decided like okay, we're just going to go mess with this task and then the end result was that it humiliated him, but it's right. like their plan is to humiliate him from the yeah. get-go. And it's like, well, how do you know that that's even going to happen? Um so if you recall from Goblet of Fire, what Cedric does to swim down into the lake is to he like magics a bubble around his head so that he can swim down underneath. Yeah, he can breathe. And, yeah, and they, um, they, the kids, uh, Albus and Severus, uh, use Moaning Myrtle to go down the lake, and then they use the Time Turner so they're in the lake, and then they they like use an engorgement charm on on uh, 
Cedric's penis and it gets really big. <laughs> no, no, onto his like bubble helmet and it just gets bigger and bigger until he floats away and everyone is laughing at him. So that's the humiliation. Yeah, I guess it's I guess the idea is like, well, you suck so much at magic. Right. You student of magic. Hold <laughs> 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 themselves up every day. Ron yeah. spends one whole year with a broken wand and no one no one even like intervenes. None of no. these teachers are like, we should probably deal with this. Yeah. <laughs> like that could be really this, dangerous. <laughs> but this thing totally screws up Cedric's life. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, it just it doesn't the more well, we'll we'll talk about it more in a minute. So they get yanked back by the time turner again, but while that's happening, uh like the sky is darkened overhead and Albus disappears. So Scorpius is on his own. Uh and this to me is the coolest segment. I enjoy this the the this sequence quite a well, bit. Well, I mean it's absolutely the coolest segment. It's the Back to the Future two. Yes, it's the Biff World story. Yeah, it's Biff World. So Scorpius gets yanked out of the lake by dun 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 Dolores Umbridge of order of the phoenix fame who is the headmaster at hogwarts um and you realize quickly that this is not the hogwarts that he came from not even the altered hogwarts that he came from uh dementors are flying around umbridge is the headmaster uh he learns that darkest timeline yep harry potter died and lost yeah and um death eaters won voldemort well won, basically. what happened was and this is great in a sort of like really kind of way <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so cedric diggory was so humiliated by someone tampering with his magic during this contest that he just became like this bitter unabomber type character <laughs> and yeah and he went he went full evil he became a death eater which is like this is crazy to me a little bit in that Harry Potter wants to suggest that minor um, instances of like in your life can like totally alter who you are. One you're, In one timeline, you're a heroic person. In another, some kids mess with you one day right. and you go on a it murder ruins spree. ruins your life. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah this, this alteration I didn't like. I, uh, like I liked the domino effect of the previous timeline where it's like, oh – you know, Hermione was suspicious of Crumb, so she didn't want to dance with him. So Ron wasn't jealous, and then they didn't get together, and blah, blah. It's yeah. like, you know, bump, 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 bump. But this is very much like Cedric, humiliated. Now he's a Death Eater. Like, it just, mm-hmm. like, flips a switch, which yeah. really shits on who Cedric, Cedric is as a character. Right? Yeah, I yeah. thought so, too. Like, he's just a murderer lying in wait. Yeah, just, like... If he didn't have perfect Robert Pattinson looks, yeah. he would have been a totally shitty person. And uh, yeah, it's totally goofy. But so the the crux of it is at the Battle of Hogwarts in the end of the seventh. The so, horcrux of it is? Yeah, I guess so. Sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, so Cedric is there. Death Eater Cedric, not dead, um, is there to murder Neville. Well, Neville Longbottom's key moment of glory was that he killed a big snake. <laughs> and killing yeah. that big snake took it out of the equation with the big snake still in the equation i think it murders somebody else key or maybe it kills harry but anyway the point is like that out that x factor of having that big snake in the battle to screw things up um results in harry potter's death yeah basically yeah and so yeah darkest timeline and everyone's saying like 
Hail Voldemort or whatever. I don't even know what they're saying, but I can't remember. It's it's terrible. And again, you have the the same problem where Scorpius arrives into this world where everyone uh, treats him as though he's someone different than he is. So yeah, uh, and in a more extreme way than in the previous rewrite, they call him the Scorpion King, and basically he's just like he's basically Kid Draco on asshole steroids. Like he's, he's just. He's like a murdering dickbag and runs the school. He's like lead torture student. Like he's so weird. This, it's interesting. I mean, like, uh, I I don't even know how to describe it. It's 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 a hell world, but it's like literally a hell world. Like everybody's like, "Yep, let's just enjoy murdering and (laughs) torturing and stuff." It's almost strange how far from like accepted reality it is you know like i get that voldemort being in charge would be bad but it's it's weird that every that life becomes this strange like reveling in it yeah well it's like an it's it's like cedric it's like an either or like yeah right because harry won scorpius grows up to be like a nice kid who sucks at sports and then And who's good at school and like in the world where Voldemort wins, he's he's basically like a Nazi youth. So, yeah, um, but yeah. like way worse than Nazi youth. Yeah, he's right? just terrible. Like, there's no gray area at all in this. You know, there's no life as as usual at all. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Like, it's weird. Well, and again, it's the issue where like there should that Scorpion King, evil Scorpius should be walking around like, yeah. Yep. There's no reason. He should why. definitely be walking around. Here's another issue. We talked about this also. But um, so Scorpius remembers everything from the previous timelines that he's been a part of. Yeah, the time traveler is yeah. the outlier. He's, right? he's, exactly. He is a supplant. They're the he's control. Been supplanted from another timeline into this timeline, right? It's not the same Scorpius that they all think they're talking to. He's a different kid, right? He's an imposter. But why does... Albus ceased to exist. That's that's a I think the biggest probably time trouble flub in the whole story is that Albus if if Scorpius remembers being from the other timeline, then he is from the other timeline. So yeah. why did Albus disappear? Exactly. Albus isn't from. I I mean like I, I follow the logic. No Harry Potter. No marriage to Ginny. No kid. Right. Like Albus doesn't exist because he was never born. However, we've already established that. Albus is like free of the timeline. Right. He's he was totally free of the timeline in the last timeline. Yeah, he's having it both ways because yeah, it's exactly. trying to say that there's only one of each of them. We poke holes in that and say actually there should be doubles, but they're not having doubles and so it's like they're trying to make the kids their own doubles but also free of the timeline. And right, exactly. You, you can't actually do both. Yeah, um, it doesn't it doesn't follow, it doesn't track. I mean, what should have happened, and I, I mentioned this to you when we were talking about it, is that Albus should have stayed, he shouldn't have ceased to exist. He should have come up and like, as soon as Dolores, Dolores Umbridge sees them both, she just like summarily executes him. Or yeah. she takes them both inside and is like, who the fuck's this kid? And when they can't place him, they like throw him in a dungeon. And the effect ultimately is the same, right? Is right. that he's in this timeline without his friend and everything is terrible. Um, I mean, it, I'm... The upshot is that, like, you need to, then you have to do all this heavy lifting of trying to get Albus free or saved or in some location where he can then time travel again to be brought back when this is all resolved, 
Right. And without him there, you've got Scorpius to just handle it. It's a great deal easier. It's less complex. But at the same time, it just uh, it doesn't track. And it kind of is a bummer to have the story ostensibly be about Albus. And it's like Albus and Scorpius, but it's Albus's story, really. And then he's just not here for the, like, he's not even in the darkest timeline where he would gain the most character development and understanding of Harry Potter, you yes. would think. Yeah. Right? It's kind of a bummer that he didn't get to show up for that scene. It's true. And and, and it's it's a weird, it's the closest it, the story comes to being like a two-hander. And the two-hander yeah. is uh, like movie speak for being a, um, a story with two main characters. Right. Uh, and, you know, the, all this is the main character of this story, but it's also kind of Harry's story and it's also kind of uh, Scorpius's story. But it's like, yeah, it's weird that we have this. I mean, it's like 20, 30 pages of it no It goes on Elvis. for a long time. Yeah. yeah. Scorpius is here for a while. Like he's, and again, hanging around the Hogwarts for a bit and like doesn't know what to do. And this makes a little more sense because. He has to do reconnaissance is yeah. why he's there as long as he is. Yes. It's not like, it's not, it's not like he's there voluntarily. Like Scorpius is trying to get the lay of the land to figure out how we can prevent this from happening. Really, he's yeah. not sure what he's not sure what occurred. He's yeah, got to do or the how research. to fix it. And it, to be fair, he also, you know, his position was let's turn in the time turner, like let's stop time traveling because we're going to screw things up worse. And Albus was the one who was like, no, we can fix it. So I think right. Scorpius is afraid of making things worse. And well, and they so. they also do a little bit of uh, last temptation of Scorpius here. I don't think it. I don't think it actually ever plays for his character, but. The implication is that, like, hey, Scorpius, you can live in the hell world and be a king. Yes. Don't you want, don't you want to stay here? And it just yeah. sounds like it's not – it's funny that he's popular and a girl likes him. But at the same time, like, it's so not in line with Scorpius. Like, there's no way he would have ever even yeah. considered for a minute staying in the torture planet, you know? It was like, oh, yeah. you get to be king of the torture planet. He's a nice kid. Like, this well, is and- no – there's no way in hell. And on top of that, the, the story shortcut that they use, they kind of address it a little where like Umbridge and his dad are suspicious of him, but it's like, he basically is hanging around for a week. It's like, he would not have, he's, he's so completely the opposite of the Scorpius. He's displaced that like, he would not be able to pass for a day. Like there's no way. Oh man. There'd be so much he doesn't know. Right. Someone would be like, Hey, let's torture this kid. And he wouldn't be able to do it. Like he doesn't even know the spells for it. Yes. At (laughs) any point things would go horribly wrong for him. But, but the story is just kind of like, nah, he just is here and conflicted about it. So, but I do, uh, what, one thing I do want to say, I do, what I do like about this is that where Cedric gets the, the shaft a little bit, as far as uh, character, because he just turns evil like on a dime. Malfoy actually, Draco Malfoy, gets kind of a uh, a high five as a character. Like he's in the evil world and in a high position, but you you get this whole like conflicted, I really didn't want to be a bad guy. I'm just kind of stuck here. Yeah, because Scorpius calls him out for, for yeah. what a shit he is. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I loved my wife and I don't really like this. And this is just kind of what... We yeah. all just end up where we end up, you know, and it's it sucks. And Malfoy's still not a bad or not a good guy in this timeline, but he's a better guy than 
most of the Harry Potter stories right. imply. Yeah. Right. So um, I like that about this whole story, actually. I like that Malfoy kind of gets his own, his first fair shake as yeah, a character. And, and as an aside, like I do think with one glaring exception, which we'll talk about in a bit, I, I do think that for whatever, uh, whatever complaints readers have of this story, like I saw one good, good you should never look at Goodreads reviews, but I saw mm-hmm. one Goodreads review, call it bad fanfic. I think that this story like really nails the themes and the characterization of the Harry Potter characters. Like for all its flaws and plotting and, you know, the time travel that we're breaking down the, you know, I, I, I do really enjoy uh, what it says about the characters and the relationships and how the story affects everyone. So, right. Um, Yeah. So Scorpius finally gets the bright idea to go to Snape. Um, who in this timeline is alive because where Scorpius comes from, he knows that Snape was actually a double agent and that he was, you know, working for Dumbledore's army and that he, I mean, Albus is fucking named after him, right? Right, exactly. Known the world over. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, he's a a famous double agent hero. Yeah. Right, like, and... So, yeah, he's the guy. To, well, at first, Scorpius has to figure out what went wrong. And that's what he's doing for the first few days. Yes. Like, he's doing the research. Once he knows the target he has to hit, basically, um, is, is preventing that Cedric thing and, like, why, then he goes to Snape for help in getting him to the right place, right? Because it's, yeah. it's about the location. So he needs to get back into the lake, one assumes. Yeah, I think that's how it was, right? Yeah. Right. Um, and he needs Snape's help, I guess. Yeah. Well, he just, he, he, and so Snape kind of steals him away to Dumbledore's army, which is like the last vestiges of resistance against Voldemort, the Voldemort regime, yeah. um, led by none other than Hermione. Um, and also Ron. <laughs> oh man, we, never, we didn't talk, we didn't talk about that in the last timeline, but Hermione, instead of being ministry of magic, in the first alteration was a curmudgeonly uh, defense against the dark arts professor. And she was just like a total asshole to Albus. Um, and was just like lonely. And she was basically just like an angry cat lady, you know? Um, which mm, characterization again, but yeah, without Ron, right. Hermione turns into the mean. Well, it's like, you can be even more harsh and it's like without a dick. Like, yeah. like without getting laid, she just, this is who she becomes. I mean, Ron's that's kind of how it plays. Ron's yeah. the worst character. Well, this is, this is, well, since we were I talking mean, about it, I don't this is the character I don't like in this story and, and which is Ron. Like yeah. he just, he serves as his only function is comic relief. But this, this story is like inadvertent, inadvertent proof that he is not Hermione's equal. Uh, yeah. And they try and do some cute things with their relationship and they're meant to be together. And like each alteration has them kind of in a different flux of, you know, are they, are, are they not? And hearing about, you know, the, the best timeline where they're together and have kids together. But it's just like, even in that timeline, Ron is just like a stupid goofball. And <laughs> Hermione is like the smartest, best witch in the world. And it's just right. like, man, Hermione... Sorry. <laughs> like, sorry you couldn't find your equal in all of wizarding. Right. Um, anyway, that, that part's a bummer. Ron, Ron kind of sucks in this story. 
Uh, anyway, but so Snape leads them, to, leads Scorpius to Dumbledore's army, and uh, he explains everything, and they're all skeptical of him because he's the Scorpion King, blah, 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 but he tells them everything that happened, and basically their plan is to go back to the first instance of Albus and Scorpius screwing things up and stop the kids from stopping Cedric from succeeding, right? Is that what it was? Yes. I thought they went, I thought he was under the water for it. I thought he stopped them from doing the water one. Uh, eventually. Um, right. So they, no, they, they go back further oh, yeah. no, to undo, to undo all of it. The other solution to the other time. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they're, they're undoing both in one swoop. Yeah. Um, and so they travel back and, uh, Hermione blocks Albus's Expelliarmus. Um, right. And so Cedric's first task goes back to normal. It predates. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it prevents all that from happening. It prevents all of it from happening. Um, for some reason, when they go back, it's still the dark timeline. Um, like they go back and prevent this, but then they still go back to the future and it's still <laughs> the dark timeline. And man, there's got to be a reason stated and I'm annoyed that I don't know. Wait, yeah, no, I'm sure. Well, because the second instance is the instance that matters for creating the dark right. timeline. That's why. Yeah, I guess that would still you're right. That's, okay. So that's, that's what's so stupid. That that's what's going go- on is that it doesn't overwrite Albus and Severus going to the second challenge. Yeah. It only over only fixes the first one. It only and- changes the way in which they failed. Like that's all. Like they cha- they they went to the first challenge and tried to stop Cedric and failed to do so. And in the first time, they failed because Cedric made them fail. And the second time, they failed because they screwed it up. So they go back again to the second challenge. That, that causality is still in place. Right. right? Yeah. So, what- so even, though they, even though Cedric now succeeds in the first task, uh, Ron, Hermione, Snape, and Scorpius return to Biff World, Voldemort controlled. Right. And because, then- the second, because the instance of them attacking the second one still exists. Yeah. Right. Um, and so that's a little like, oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's a, I mean, that should change some things, you would think. But Yeah. You think maybe you do that one first? I don't know. Well, but they did I, that. Well, because they, but I know, I think this is actually the right way to do it because they're, they're eliminating all the bad effects, but they're eliminating them, they're eliminating them in the order that's necessary to prevent a bunch of doubles. Right. Right. Yeah, so. I guess I guess that's true, and they're they're waiting in the wings. So, right. in in any case, it leads to a very cool scene where the Dementors and Umbridge descend upon Dumbledore's army, and Ron and Hermione, who are not together in this version, but are kind of tickled by the idea of it, kiss each other and like sacrifice themselves to allow Scorpius and Snape to run, and they get their fucking soul sucked out horrifically, <laughs> and then Snape again sacrifices himself. Uh, as he would have in the original timeline. And he also gets his soul sucked out while Scorpius gets back into the lake and travels back. And as he does so, and again, this is like weird doubling again, that does not actually occur because Scorpius ends up right back where he would have in the lake. Um, And now Albus is back again, right? Yeah. So it's like he he prevents himself. He prevents himself and Albus from doing the Cedric big head thing. Yes. And, 
that doesn't happen anymore. And so then, yeah, he comes back to the present. Albus is still there. They're all wet now. Yeah. But everything is everything is okay. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently. So uh, when they get back, the jig is up. Um, <laughs> Scorpius announces somewhat carelessly that he's lost the time turner. They come clean with the adults who have who have since figured out through Moaning Myrtle that what's going on exactly that they're trying to save Cedric and that they have the time turner, etc. Um, so they learn all that and they're in big trouble, whatever. Uh, it is soon revealed that Scorpius was lying and he had the time turner. So while he has the adults, uh, like basically combing the bottom of the lake, uh, he tells Albus like, dude, we need to destroy this thing. And still right. Albus is like, <laughs> No, dude, we can still save Cedric. And Scorpius is like, are you stupid? Like, we're not doing this. So he agrees. They go to the Owlry to, for like a secret place to destroy this thing. And yeah, with Delphi. Yeah, they're approached by Delphi, who comes and, uh, long story short, reveals herself to be uh, Voldemort's daughter. Voldemort's secret evil daughter. And there's yeah. a whole bunch of dumb exposition for this, but yeah, that's the effectively what happens is that yeah. she was evil the whole time. Yeah. And uh, while he was in the evil timeline, Scorpius caught word of like this, basically like, you know, number two for Voldemort called the Aghori. Um, is that how you say that? The Aghori? I don't know. Uh, Augury? I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's Should have looked of- it up. It's like it's a kind of bird, basically, and uh, but it turns out that she is the Agori. She has like a tattoo on her neck, and um, she takes the time turner from them, and oh, takes them both and travels back to the third task of the Triwizard Tournament, which is the the big hedge maze, if you recall. Yeah. That. <clears throat> so yeah, the plan is again to, um, well, now it's not. Now it's the whole pretense of giving a crap about Cedric is dropped. Um, Delphi finds out that there is a timeline in which Voldemort made it and she can actually make that happen. So yeah. the plan is just to go murder Harry, just like pfft, screw Harry Potter. Yeah. And, <laughs> and uh, without Harry Potter in the picture, obviously nobody could stand against Voldemort because reasons. So that's the whole plan. Yeah, and um, Scorpius and Albus kind of whispering to one another are like our only our, their plan is to use the time turner five minute flaw against them, um, so or yeah. against her. So like they're gonna stall and wait until the time turner sucks them back to wherever they have to go. Um, so they run around a bit and they fight with her and she can fly. She and she's like, crazy evil. Yeah, and she like ties them up, but. Luckily, Cedric Diggory shows up and like puts a stop to the whole thing. Yeah, ties on, her on up his and, way to going and getting murdered. He like yeah interacts with them for a second and saves the kids. Though interestingly, that moment actually should it should prevent it should actually save Cedric and maybe yeah, it right? does, but we never see that future. The reason being is that the whole reason Cedric and Harry travel together is that they arrive at the cup at the same time and agree to touch it together. The two or so minutes 
time difference would change the situation. Yeah, so that Harry would go alone and then Cedric would be alive. Even if that is the case, we never see the result of that future because on the verge of being foiled, uh, Delphi travels back again. Um, uh, And well, okay, so this is where the, before before she does that, this is where the prophecy comes into play, where her, her, she, <laughs> the prophecy is like, I, I, I should have the wording in front of me, but you've read the play if you're listening to this and it's like, the son will kill the father and blah, 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 de blah, blah. And like mm-hmm. Harry thinks that that's about Scorpius, but, and, uh, and Delphi thinks that it's about Albus. So she's like, you're going to kill your dad basically. And well, Alvin- prevented him, did it by preventing him from, from living. Yes. Right. Right. Indirectly killed him. Indirectly by killed him. Time. Yeah, but she um, uh, and the you know Albus and Scorpius are like, well, how about no? Instead, we're just gonna <laughs> you're not gonna make us, and we're just gonna you'll, you're gonna have to kill us, and we're not gonna do anything for you. Um, and she realizes somehow in their back and forth a better plan, and she takes them back further. Um, she really what she realizes is that. And this is like the whole crux of the prophecy thing is that Voldemort only made himself vulnerable by hearing that prophecy and attacking Harry way back in the beginning when Harry was a baby. If he Voldemort going out and choosing a baby to be, you know, it was could have been Harry could have been Neville, right? Choosing a baby and going and trying to murder it was his whole undoing. And if he just ignored the prophecy, right, none of it would have happened. He made the prophecy happen. So yes. she's like, and Scorpius says something where basically it's like prophecies, prophecies are made to be broken. Yeah, prophecies don't really matter, and this is nonsense. And and she catches basically that information. She realizes that you can undo prophecies merely by not following them, <laughs> so, or with time travel, as the case yeah, may be. Exactly, uh, which is what they're doing here. So where do they travel back to? Um, Godric's Hollow the day before Harry's parents are murdered. And then she fucks off. She just she, leaves. Well, first she smashes the time turner. Yes. Which yes. is awesome. She so Because she's like, trapped there. this is where I need to be. And yeah, Albus and Scorpius are like, oh, we're super boned now. And it takes them a minute to figure out where they are and why uh, and when, more importantly. Um, and uh, and they, they realize without her saying so what her plan must be which as you stated phil is to basically to stop voldemort from going in there she's like hey well that's that's what they intuit her plan to be later but at first they think that she's gonna go on a murder spree right and she'll just she'll just do what voldemort tried to do and in so intervening disrupt the whole thing they're kind of afraid she's gonna march into harry potter's house and kill his parents or whatever. Or yeah, right? or kill but Harry. It, yeah, but it doesn't happen. Yeah. And then they're and so well, the, what they do next is to leave them leave a message for the future to get reinforcements. Yeah. But it's which lucky. Is, which is a cool time travel trope. Like done kind of well. They use It's some, when Doc Brown sends the telegram yeah. from <laughs> your teenager. Or when uh or in timeline, <laughs> which we haven't done yet, when they like leave the inscription on the statue. Mm-hmm. Right, or on the grave, um, and you 
anyway, learn about stuff years later. Uh, so <laughs> at an earlier scene, at an attempt at reconciliation, Harry tries to give Albus the blanket that he was wrapped in when he was found as a baby. Um, which again is like, it's like, just like so narcissistic. Like here, I wanted to give you this thing about me. Yeah. Um, hey, you know how I gave your, your brother a really useful item where you could turn invisible and yeah. like, he can just do whatever he wants with that. I'm going to give you a blanket. Right. I'm going to give you a, <laughs> an, uh, yeah, which would like cover your left thigh. My dirty baby blanket. Yeah. Which... And all this is like, fuck you. <laughs> uh, but they realize that that blanket is in the past and they can leave a message in it. And through some convoluted, like invisible ink magic chemistry, they, (laughs) they, uh, they write a message in the blanket and, um, they, and, oh yeah. In that argument, like some stuff spills onto the blanket. So they're aware that this, at a later time, at a key moment, Harry will be looking at the blanket when stuff gets spilled on it or like soon afterward, right? So they know that this will cause the message to appear at a specific time if it reacts with this stuff, if they like leave it years before. Yeah. That way, that way it's not like there's a message written on the blanket for all of Harry's life, you yeah. know, because it would change things. Yes, right? absolutely. So, so it's it's smart. It's a way of yeah. using you know, the, the natural progression of time itself without disrupting the, the course of events. So this message, uh, through that kind of convoluted means gets to Harry and Ginny and they realize where he is, uh, a little Draco ex machina. He, (laughs) he shows up with an even better time turner, which he's had (laughs) the entire time. Right. Um, which is gold. He didn't know that time travel was involved until just now. No, like, like all the other adults, he was not aware until after the fact of all the time travel before now that time travel was happening. So he does kind of just like show up and be like, oh, guess what? I have one too. But at least in his defense, no one had mentioned time travel up to then, right? <laughs> so, right. Well, you know. except for, I mean, okay, a couple of things. The important thing about this time turner is that it doesn't have the five minute problem. It is the finished version of the prototype of the time turner that we've been using throughout. So that's one thing. But what's a little dumb from a character perspective is that Draco's all anti-Time Turner because of the rumors swirling his his family and and his son, and he owns the most powerful Time Turner in existence. Like, you think he'd be like, I need to destroy this, get rid of it. Like, if someone found out about this, it would just, it would, you know, in many people's minds, confirm the rumors. Yeah. Um, It just is, like, super dumb of him to have it, but... Luckily, he does. Yeah. Mm, anyway. Yeah. So everybody like holds hands and turns the time turner, and mm. all the adults come back to help out Albus and Scorpius. Yeah. So. And they bring everybody they know, basically. Everyone. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, yeah. They Hermione and Ron, Harry and Ginny, and Draco. That's it, I guess. But <laughs> like, yeah, all everybody the up to now who has been like involved in the story, everybody but Minerva and McGonagall, basically. Yeah, and the other kids. So yeah, uh, they they so and this is kind of a cool idea. It's like they're there the day before Harry's parents get murdered, but and and so like Harry knows that his parents are like across the street and they're alive and like there's baby him over there, and 
So it's like he just has this uh, understandable urge to, you know, run and like warn them or save or say hi at the very least or, you know, uh, at maximum to stop Voldemort from doing what he did. But but he realizes that the inverse of um, what Delphi's plan is, which is to stop Dumbledore, basically to save Harry, Harry Potter's parents lives. Um, right. in order to save his own is that if he does that, then Voldemort will win in all likelihood, like in right. his reign of terror will start early. So yeah, exactly. He'll he just ha- wander off and like continue his original plan. Yeah. Pretty much. So, Although what bums me about out about this, and I guess this is like the whole Voldemort thing is he's so strong that nobody can deal with it, but you have like a number of really great wizards on hand in a surprise attack position, basically, you'd think that they would be like, what if we just not take out, what if we just take them out, <laughs> right? Like, what if we just deal with Voldemort like nobody ever did, you know? But they can't, supposedly. You still there? Yeah. Sorry. I was <laughs> just you, I was just listening to why you. Why did you go silent like that? No, I was just listening. I was uh no, I was just, spacing out. Um you know, you've got your opportunity to actually like do some real good with this whole Voldemort problem. Mm, anyway, I don't Yeah, know. but it's like okay, so it's it's very much a... it's just unbeatable. It's similar to like a would you go back in time and kill baby Hitler problem, right? Only but this and, is a good one. And, you know, right. and like the argument there is always like, okay, well, but you're changing the, you're changing thousands of people's lives and so many millions of people's lives. And so many people would, in addition to never dying, would never be born or whatever. And it's like, who knows if you would create a, a paradox um, that would disallow for existence or just like if, if you were the one, if you were born by some weird domino effect of events that was, influenced by world war two and then you went back and prevented it from happening like with the universe implode who knows also it's that except with the downside of um voldemort like not only are you causing all those things bad things to happen but you're actually helping hitler in this version right are you though no you're gonna go murder him you're gonna go murder him right now we're just going to walk up there and shoot him in the head. Like, <laughs> sure. No, that's, that's true. That's the plan. But here's, here's why this is different. Here's why I kind of advocate this, or at least trying it, right? And then, you know, maybe going back and preventing yourself from doing it. Um, the reason is, this isn't like World War II. This is not a sweeping um, event. Voldemort is out of rotation for the next, what, like, 11 years or something, right? Yeah, at least. So he's, any influence he had, he got, well, he has none, basically. He's, he still gets knocked out right here. He's not around to bother anybody, right? right? It's not until much, much later that he comes out and he starts having real effects on things. Yeah. And some people get murdered and like, you could argue that like, now that we're another generation removed, that would have a bunch of effects. But really like the, the, the ripple effect of Voldemort himself is much smaller. You know, it's pretty, you can pretty much count all the people who would still be alive or dead in the whole Voldemort situation because so much of the timeline goes unchanged. Right. Right. There's that whole decade where everybody just grows up 
like they would have anyway, right? Yeah. So uh, basically what you're really eliminating is just the Battle of Hogwarts. More, you know, it's other things too, but that's the key. Well, and also you eliminate Harry Potter because he would no longer be, you don't eliminate him living. You eliminate him like everything that he defines himself himself by. But all these. He would no longer be the boy who lived. Right. No, I know. I mean, he, but you've got everybody with you. Yeah. And they're all going to be, have time travel memories. Although I just realized why you can't do that. It's because of the stupid Horcruxes. Because right, Voldemort right now is just, he's all over the place and you have to, but you know where they all are. That's true. Right? So you yeah, can save least, everybody a yeah, lot of grief. Yeah, some of them were like <laughs> handled, but then they have to do it all over again. That, that would sure suck. <laughs> also. I guess, but it feels like a, a inconvenience worthy of your time. Right. As yeah. adults I guess to if go you're, to. <laughs> I guess if you're the, the head of, uh, if you're the head of the oars, like that's kind of your ultimate task, right? Right. Anyway. Yeah. And in, in any case, <laughs> the, that is not their plan. And they no. hide out in this old church roughly across the street from Harry's parents' house. And they are going to wait out. So they know that Delphi is around and she's waiting for Voldemort. And so they're also waiting for Voldemort. So their plan is to um, lure her into the, the church, um, yeah. posing as Voldemort. And uh, how the hell did they get Voldemort stuff again? They have, uh, they polyjuice potion Harry into Voldemort, which is super creepy. Oh yeah, they've got like a bit of Voldemort. I don't remember what that's all about. Yeah. How did he do that? Or is it just like, I'm Harry Potter and I have a bit, I am a bit of Voldemort or something like that. Yeah, but that's not how that polyjuice how they get around potion it? works. Yeah, but, yeah, but do they just get around it? I can't remember. Yeah. I also, feel like they... Also, that part of him dies, like Voldemort murders that part of him. Well, Um, yeah. In any case, that's what they do. And so posing as Voldemort, Harry lures Delphi inside and then they, you know, spring a trap, Scooby-Doo style. Um, (laughs) And then there's much uh, fighting and shooting wands back and forth. And Elvis basically saves his dad's ass. And uh, then they all go out for ice cream. Yeah. Um, everybody, no, not everybody's problems are resolved, but they're mostly resolved. They're on the path to res- resolution. Yeah, and so well, that's good. like yeah, and Harry and Albus have a the end burgeoning <laughs> friendship. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot of time travel in there. Holy hell! <laughs> and yeah, you know, I enjoy this story quite a bit. Like I said, for the themes and for the the characterization, um, with the exception of Ron. Um, yeah, it's good stuff, I think. And I'm yeah. I'm excited to see it on stage because I think that it will it will defy people's expectations who have only read it. Yeah, I mean, it's OK. I thought it was all right. I'm not like a huge fan of it necessarily um, because I do I do really like the Snape stuff. Snape's my I think Snape's the most interesting character. And it's nice when they finally get in, get around to like doing that when they start turning the villains into more than just being regular villains yeah. in the Harry Potter books, that's always my favorite part. So I liked that. I liked giving him a chance to, you know, act around people with the full knowledge that he was a good guy for right. once, which yeah. he never got a chance to actually do. Um, and, you know, I like some of the ideas in there. 
I don't know. I I feel like it short shrifts a lot of characters, and there's a lot of time spent on just like expositiony stuff that doesn't super matter to the themes. And I wish it kind of like pushed harder to use time travel to explore the the building characters. Stuff we've already talked about, like Albus being gone from the Dark World, is kind of a bummer. You know, it feels like a big loss for him as a character, and stuff like that. I think you. I think it. It budgets its time in a way that I would have I would have personally chosen a different path that's all but I didn't hate it I like it it's fun it's yeah. uh it's a good Harry Potter story it's not my favorite Harry Potter story that's all no I but I I feel like it's a worthy Harry Potter story and like I said I've been surprised by you know I think a lot of people like it but there's been some outspoken backlash against it and I just I'm surprised by that because I I in a lot of ways I think it measures up um, there's like a longer discussion to be had about where this falls in the recent trend of sequels that are kind of like navel gazing because yeah. I feel like this does that, but it uses time travel. So it's like, oh, it's interesting. It lit, unlike, you know, say the force awakens, which is just kind of like a poor remake of, of a new hope. Um, yeah. This actually doubles back on events that we're familiar with. Uh, but at the yeah. same time, it's pushing, you know, characters that we know into, you know, 19 years later territory and creates uh, several new characters, especially Elvis and Severus, who are interesting. So it's like, and it's like doing that, but I feel like not in a way that's as uh, exploitative well, as the trend. It's not being self-nostalgic. That's that's the difference. Like it's revisiting aspects of Harry Potter without being like, man, remember Harry Potter? Like Jurassic World, right? Um, is the the one that I thought of. I mean, definitely The Force Awakens is yeah. super, super just like leaning into fan service. I do not like that movie. We could talk about that one day. Yeah. Um, but that length. Um, but yeah, like The Lost World plays music in a way specifically to kind of like hit you in the ribs and be like, remember, remember when dinosaurs. And this isn't like that. This is, the story is not trying to just like conjure up good feelings of Harry Potter past. Right. It's just, it's just re-exploring some of that old stuff um, through different lenses. And none of them are just like nostalgia for nostalgia's sake, I think. So, yeah, I agree. Um, so like I said, I'm excited to see it on stage someday. I'm sure it'll be at the Pantages in Los Angeles before you yep. know it. Uh, I'm we sure a- you'll have to buy tickets at like seven in the morning and they'll be sold out within 30 seconds. So yeah, it's going to be ready. insane. It's going to be <laughs> Book of Mormon, um, but on, on steroids. Uh, we had a Twitter question from listener Tim Tabor. I kind of want to save it for the beginning of next episode because we're yeah, running- let's do it pretty long here um we reviewed the movie too much yeah (laughs) we talked about harry (laughs) potter lore a lot uh so speaking of next episode we're going to do donnie darko uh which i is one of my i want to say it's one of my favorite time travel movies but it's one of my favorite movies that happens to be a time travel movie (laughs) uh i really like donnie darko um even though the time travel is weird but uh you know, specifically, we want to have it online at the beginning of October because famously it takes place through the month of October. So, you know, yep. you can listen to our podcast every single day in the month of October. There you go. 
every day. Yeah. You can count it down. Um, wow. Yeah, that sounds like fun. I'm going to call him the Donald the entire time. The just that way. No, stop. <laughs> nope, it's happening. Please stop. The Donald Darko. Oh, God. Um, That's a meme waiting to happen. <laughs> I hope a plane engine falls. Never mind. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, stop right there. Um, yeah. So anyway, and uh, uh, you mentioned that we've been getting some uh, frequently asked questions about frequently asked questions about time travel. So I think in two weeks or the two episodes, whenever that is, we'll do that. Yep. That one's on Netflix. Yeah. So. Now. Um, Donnie Darko, I, I have no idea where you would go to find that one. I'll have to look that up. I mean, I have a copy, but yeah. for those of you who follow us by streaming and renting what, uh, what we recommend or what we're talking about each week, um, I don't know. <laughs> well, if you find it, write us and tell us. I'll definitely, it'll be in the post. When yeah. you're, you'll probably already have the answer to this question by the time you get to this part of the podcast. Because you're in the future. It'll be, it'll be written down. Whoa. But um <laughs> That was me time traveling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Yeah. Uh, if you like what you've heard here today, tell your Harry Potter nerd friends. They don't even have to be into time travel because this is a fun analysis of a new Harry Potter story. Although if, if they're going to get mad at us for being kind of – I'm kind of down on Harry Potter sometimes. If they're going to be – if they're going to be mad, don't send them. I don't want to yeah. deal with it. <laughs> yeah, well, we will then redirect them to the Goodreads reviews of Cursed Child because they go. are mean, some of them. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so until next time, uh, please subscribe and rate. We had a good string of of reviews on iTunes for a while, and then they just like went dry. And I know you're listening. I know you're like, ah, I should do that. But then you, then you don't. You should do it this time because otherwise we'll travel back in time and murder your family. Indeed. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at HeWizard. And I am at Phil Hornshaw. Uh, and again, you can find our podcast at Facebook.com slash ParadoxPod. And all of our episodes are streaming at TheTimeTravelGuy.com slash ParadoxPod as well. So thanks for listening. Uh, and until next time, you are the cursed child. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, your attention, please. Uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, um, for the first time playing live here at Hogwarts, please welcome the band that needs no introduction, Lucas! All right, Hogwarts, are you ready for some real music? Come on, I want to see your hands in the air. You're looking good. Teach you a brand new dance tonight. Are you ready? Are you ready? Your body like a hairy toe. Learn it to rock and roll. I spin around like a crazy elf. A dancing by himself. A boogie down like a unicorn. A no stop until the break of dawn. I put your hands up in the air. Like an ogre, just don't care. Ah, can you dance like a hippogriff? My, 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 my. Flying off from a cliff. My, 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 my.